Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So like we mentioned at the beginning of the last segment, we're not doing the question of the week in this segment. We're doing the big story. And the big story this week is all about social media and the content moderation. Content moderation amongst social media platforms is something that's controversial in a lot of different ways. There's a, a lot of different complex issues happening here. But the first question is, how should you moderate? And then what should you moderate? We're, we've touched on the what should you moderate in the past, but today we're going to focus a little bit more on how should you moderate as well. This story we found talks about TikTok and how they have traumatized a tremendous amount of people that they only pay $10 a day to be content moderators. Now, if you've been with this show for any length of time, you probably remember us talking about the way content moderators for Facebook in these third world countries were paid pittance and were also traumatized. Well, it's happening again. Yes, it's almost you could have the same story and just control F, control R. It is that close that whenever you have these giant super platforms that have unbelievable volumes of content per day, some small fraction of it is going to be the terrible, worst, darkest things that humanity can do. And it's some poor soul's job to sit there and look at all of that. All day, every day, nonstop. Murder, suicide, pedophilia, cannibalism, car accidents, child abuse, the worst kinds of humanity. People are actually recording themselves with their phones and trying to post these things. Now, the artificial intelligence is catching it and flagging it, and then the humans have to go back and look at it. And it's one thing for a computer to look at it and go, because computers don't have feelings. They don't have emotions. But when it says, okay, look, human, start looking at this and tell me what you think. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's not the workplace environment is also terrible. 
because these people are in third world countries, there is no sort of labor rights or labor support. So it's honestly it reminds me a lot of an Amazon warehouse, wherever their metrics are tracked down to the second. They have incredibly high goals as the number of videos they have to see per day. They have to hit, you know, a certain 900 or a thousand videos per day. And so they sit there and they track down to, can I take a bathroom break? Do I have enough time to take a bathroom break? Because I have to keep hitting these metrics as far as number of videos watched. You're watching, you know, 900 to a thousand videos day after day after day of just the worst of the worst of humanity it's going to screw with you really really bad oh absolutely and tiktok has again outsourced all of this so none of these employees are true tiktok employees they're they belong to a contractor the contractor said that oh they you know take into account their employees mental health and blah 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 but in speaking, the people who did the original investigation here spoke to the original employees and said that all that psychological support was just for show and that they were not actually invested in the long-term health of these employees because they're not invested in these employees. They are merely gears to be ground through, and whenever they're burned out, they're instantly replaceable. When you consider these are all third-world countries where this is going on, where there's people lining up to get these jobs. You're in poorly lit, not very well air conditioned buildings, and you're having to sit and watch these videos on these monitors and how you don't just feel like less than human because you've been dehumanized watching this over and over and over and over again. Oh, absolutely. It's, they are breaking people. They are absolutely breaking people. But because there's enough of a supply to keep churning through, they don't have to change anything. And again, like I said, there's no sort of labor protection there. Anyone who even whispers the words of labor union have armed guards start knocking on their door and telling them to cut it out. Because if they needed to, TikTok could just move the whole operation to a different country. It's completely expendable to them. That's and that's what's really frightening is that when you're treating these these people so badly, the person who owns the business, they're probably making a good bit of money and not paying it. So if all of a sudden TikTok says, hey, sorry, Colombia, we can go to not even not even Colombia. We can leave Bogota and go to a village, you know, 100 miles away and do it over there and you'll lose out all this money. Well, the guy who's running that that operation, he doesn't want to lose that revenue stream. This is just this is just really bad. It's called the race to the bottom, and it, it's it's absolutely not unique to TikTok. It's not unique to Facebook or social media content moderation. It happens a lot of times in these poor countries that you have some large corporation which has an offshoot contractor go do this, you know, essentially sweatshop labor. That while, yes, sure, you're not pulling the same lever over and over again all day, you're being dehumanized in a different way. <laughs> this is not new or not unique, but it's, yeah, it's awful. And TikTok, to their credit, we strive to promote a caring working environment for our employees and contractors. 
our trust and safety team partners with third-party firms on the critical work of helping to protect TikTok platform community. And we continue to expand on a range of wellness services so that the moderators feel supported mentally and emotionally. Sure. BS. Yeah. Now, I, I will say that this is an incredibly complex problem that I don't think that there's some easy solution here that at the end of the day, you do have this, you know, even if it's a small percentage of the total videos uploaded, because of the total volume and speed of videos that are being uploaded, you have a lot of this horrid content that you need to screen out in some way, but the artificial intelligence is not good enough yet and probably won't be good enough for a while. And so I don't know how you solve this problem without having to have people sit there and look at it, at least treat them better. These people, they have cameras watching them. So you've got supervisors watching them so that if they're not watching the, the screens, they get fired. They get run off. They get beaten up. They get they get harassed. And if you get up to go to the bathroom and you're gone for an excessive amount of time because you're away from the screen, it's noticed and, and you're harassed about that. This is just there's no good way to to have this kind of content moderators. Absolutely. And it's this is an important job, though, because. TikTok as a source of in news and information is exploding in the U.S. TikTok is the only social media platform that has seen a growth over the past couple of years in people using it to consume news content. And as we come up on a, an election, the amount of disinformation that is racing its way across TikTok is not unique to the U.S. I'm sure it's happening in a lot of other places, but we see it here. We can measure it here. And it's something that we need to be doing a lot of thinking about. How do we make sure that what we're looking at is not trash? TikTok has said before, and we've talked about it here on the show, they are trying to stay as apolitical as possible. They don't want paid candidates doing ads on TikTok they're trying to to keep this from becoming the Facebook and Twitters of the world where there is so much vile political hatred from both political perspectives. And and yet they're so big now, it's it's just impossible to stop. And the problem that TikTok faces, it's not even in their general content moving across their platform, even in their ads. TikTok approved 90% of ads featuring election misinformation that was intentionally submitted by researchers. This contained things like wrong election data, false claims about voting requirements, and rhetoric designed to dissuade people from voting. So they were intentionally trying to see what TikTok would and would not approve, and TikTok rubber-stamped it. And in a way that they performed the worst out of all the social media platforms. It's really kind of disappointing that a research project by NYU that, uh, that that did do that and just to poke the bear and see if, if the bear was awake or not. And apparently the you know, TikTok was not really paying them that close attention. They were just interested in cashing checks. 
yeah, that's the these are advertisements. These should be viewed with more scrutiny because this was a lot of what happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, wherever ads were bought in 2016 with Russian rubles that they were micro-targeting U.S. citizens with disinformation. And so if things that are easily verifiably false, such as election days, what are the things which are harder to verify as false that are also making its way through that aren't being reported? These are the types of questions we need to be asking. These are the types of bars we need to be setting for these platforms because they are such the nexus of information in our society right now. And TikTok is really, really susceptible to this kind of misinformation because of the way their algorithms are set up. It's it's designed for your your page, the general video feed. It's so highly customizable to you that if you've expressed an interest by the videos you like, it's going to give you this kind of information when those ads are designed and built and have the header information of what it's about and the algorithm grabs it and says oh look Haggai likes this video he likes that video then he's going to love this ad boom here comes your ad absolutely and it's also it doesn't even have to be an ad it can be another type of video and they, they can use information about you to infer other things about you and so once I have A and B and C, I can guess what you think about D. There was a story that we saw recently from the New York Times wherever they started to compute scores about political scores about individuals, wherever they were looking to guess people's priorities on certain issues. And that once you had enough information, you could start to predict their uh, views on a wide range of political topics right now. And then use that to start micro-targeting people with ads so that you could then have specific messages and phrases to go after people. You no longer have to have broad vote for me. You can now say, ah, this person believes this specific set of issues. We're going to send them one specific message. And if someone else who thinks something different, we're going to send them something different. And because the vast majority of the users of TikTok are the younger generation, those who were born in the late 90s, early 2000s, they are much more susceptible to this kind of misinformation. They haven't had the real world experiences and the lifelong experiences to help them really pick apart the differences of what is bogus information, what is real information, and and then what is just political crap. Yeah, media literacy. That the average U.S. team spends 99 minutes per day on TikTok, which is a baffling number in the first place. But, yeah, I wouldn't expect a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old to have the type of media literacy skills to parse out the nuances of when this person is saying this thing, are they trustworthy? Where are they getting their information from? You know, do they know these things, believe these things? Are they saying them in good faith or are they just saying it's because they think they have to you know somebody comes across and says it with bold conviction and and they look like they're telling the truth so they must be because it's on the internet yeah the, it it's really kind of worrisome that what are we doing to this youngest generation out there that where they're not getting real good information and by good information i'm not meaning to the right or to the left of political i'm talking about factual information 
Right. Honest, real, truthful information. To yeah. be fair to the those kids, though, it's not like older generations on Facebook are also good at discerning what is true and is not. That's a very fair statement. And it's so media literacy that was true and useful for on a newspaper and a magazine on a television show is very different than media literacy looking at a Facebook meme or a Facebook post. And so this concept of media literacy is very difficult and constantly evolving. And all of us, not just the young, need to be thinking about these things whenever we're looking at messages that we see. And and it's not just TikTok, in all fairness. Twitter is just as much of a problem with misinformation. And, and there is a lot of concerns that can Twitter actually with, with just a few weeks left to go before the midterm election, can they help eliminate some of the misinformation that's already being put out there on their platform? Right. And again, you know, we all we want is to have people get real information. I don't care if it supports my cause, if it hurts my cause. I just want things that actually happened to be in people's hands. Whenever you're making up lies, it's, or, you know, this person is actually a lizard person and they're from Mars and they're doing all these crazy things. Obviously that's not true. You know, we, we want to make sure the things that are true are the ones which are end up in people's hands. When you see these political ads where they start calling someone, oh, they're a communist and oh, they're a this and oh, they're a that. And, without really giving any background as to where they're coming up with these stories or where they're coming up with this disinformation. And, you know, while you may disagree with somebody's politics, to start the name calling and the real firebrand lightning rods that you're throwing out there is is not doing anybody any good. Nobody's ever won a political argument on any social media platform ever. Both sides are losers in a political argument on a social media platform. And and so when you just take that into account and stop trying to win a political argument that you can't win, if you start there, then start working back, then you get into, okay, the whole misinformation thing, how do we deal with that? One of the things which Twitter's tried to do, which I like, is that if you provide context or background, a lot of times what happens that something is, you know, is supercharged, like you're saying, it is a lightning rod. It's just really hot, but it's designed to skew in a certain way. Someone phrased something in a specific way because they knew it was going to go viral because it just sounds right. And maybe it's technically true, but there's an important piece of information that they're leaving out. And so... Twitter is testing out a feature wherever users are asked to give longer feedback, you know, a sentence up to a paragraph that provides more information about the whole issue that maybe this thing that they're referring to happened a long time ago. Maybe that there is just more information that turns down the temperature a little bit on this. And you say, okay, now that I learned a little bit more about it, that is actually a bit more reasonable than I was originally thinking. Twitter's also trying to do their best to eliminate deep faked videos, recontextualized media that's not branded as satirical. It's the subtle things 
that 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 subtle misinformation is is much harder to to get around and that's that's why having your content moderation and maybe not even moderation but the content contextuality added having it be open source and having your community review it that's what they're trying to add that's that feature wherever you rely on your entire audience the reasonability of the general public to help bring down some of those extremes on the edges. And the bottom line, all of these social media platforms are all in it for the money. And until they're not all in it for the money, we're going to be stuck with all the crap that's out there. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.